This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Sex dolls. How and whether to regulate. Like, I mean, you know, sex doll, like blow up sex dolls. These things have, have been around for a long time. We're not quite at the point of sex robots, but that may be coming. But what exists now are very lifelike silicone sex dolls that are apparently very expensive to buy. But that there's a viable business model, apparently, when it comes to renting them out. And we're starting to see these businesses pop up all over North America. And cities are, are struggling, again, with the question of how or whether to regulate these. I mean, obviously, these are not brothels in the traditional sense and that these are not human sex workers. These are essentially sex toys. So, I mean, there would be obviously health or hygiene concerns with a business that rents out sex toys. But what kind of regulation does it really need? Uh, so the story this week now, Edmonton is the latest city to grapple with this after Toronto, Vancouver, some cities in the United States. A company in Edmonton was issued a business license on December 6th. And there's now talk in Edmonton about whether to design regulations that would govern all of this. Well, joining us to talk a bit more about all of this, very pleased to welcome the program. Mark Hayes, a freelance writer, covers topics related to sex and sexuality. More at his website, markehay.com. Mark, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, as I say, I mean, it seems like there's a growing list of cities that are kind of grappling with this. I think it was Houston that actually has moved to, to ban these. Uh, they've opened up in Toronto, Vancouver, and, and elsewhere. What, what are we seeing in terms of, of a response from cities? It's piecemeal. I mean, Canada has been more amenable to these businesses than most other nations. I think the only other country that really hasn't had a huge backlash to these institutions might be Austria. Uh, you're right, the Houston uh, brothel never opened up. The city council actually passed an ordinance specifically banning patrons at businesses from having sex with inanimate objects on the premises. That's <laughs> that how they right? got around it. Wow. Well, what is the concern? I mean, is it just a kind of a moral tisk-tisk, we, we think this is weird, or is there, there a deeper concern here? It depends on who you ask. I think for a lot of people it is fairly knee-jerk. It just feels odd. It feels strange. Uh, there is an entire line of thought out there, though, that these dolls uh, and especially public-facing brothels that would host them and have people visiting very visibly might increase uh, violence against women. Most people who use these dolls are men. Most of these dolls are modeled on the female form. The idea being you go there, you act out your most violent or bizarre fantasies, you reinforce objectification of women you do horrific things to these dolls uh not everybody agrees with that assessment 
There's not a whole lot of data on that one way or another. We're not sure. That's one concern. And as you pointed to earlier, the uh, the health side of things is a concern as well. Just as a public health issue, if you have multiple people using these dolls, I mean, even some of these businesses will say that they encourage people to use condoms when they are using these dolls because they can't necessarily 100% guarantee. There's no real standard protocol for cleaning them thoroughly uh, to prevent the transmission of disease, even though it seems unlikely. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be bad for business, I suppose. I think these businesses maybe have an incentive to ensure that uh, the customers aren't getting diseases. But I, I guess then in terms of a business uh, operating in any city, those kinds of public health concerns are, are a little more legitimate than the moral concerns, I think. Well, in terms of the things that we know are legitimate concerns that we actually have some sort of evidence for, we just don't have a lot of studies of sex dolls and what they do to our psychology as individuals, our culture, etc. This is sort of an under-researched topic, and so it's very easy to just sound off with your theoretical opinion on them. Right. I mean, the point about people who might have unconventional or even shall we say, disturbing kinds of, of fantasies. I mean, they, they already exist, right? They already exist in, in these people's minds that maybe that's something when they're at home by themselves that they're thinking about. They, they already exist. The, the sex dolls, they, they don't create that, right? Yeah, and there is a line of thought out there. There's some research, of course, disputed by people who oppose this view that suggests that having a doll as an outlet uh, can mitigate some of those darker urges. Um, That's one option, and then having a brothel would be a way for lower-income individuals to access those dolls, to act on those urges uh, on an inanimate object and not an animate object. But again, because you don't really have any hard evidence uh, for sure showing that dolls could mitigate those urges, you have a very easy time coming back and saying, well, it's just as likely that giving people this outlet to express those urges, meet others who feel them could legitimize them, make them feel like they can go out and enact those urges on real living people. Uh, This just comes down to perspective, honestly. The other argument, I guess, in in favor of of these is that for people who otherwise have intimacy issues, um, you know, are, are uncomfortable interacting with 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 other people, or at least in in an intimate kind of situation, that this is a, a, an option they would have. Then this is a situation where maybe they would feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is another legitimate argument for the free uh, proliferation of these brothels and of sex dolls more generally. Um, again, the people who oppose this will come back and say even if possibly there are a few people who could therapeutically benefit from that, maybe just put it within an actual therapeutic context, have it something that's mediated through sex therapists or uh, or general therapists as opposed to in a brothel setting, uh, because we think, and this isn't necessarily my view, but just channeling the concern that's out there, we worry that there is a greater risk from these establishments than the possible benefit to these uh, people with uh, social uh, concerns. Do you feel like this is kind of a, a bridge debate? Because as, as elaborate as these dolls have become, we're, we're kind of on the cusp of, you know, incorporating uh, robotics and, and AI into all of this. And, and once we go from sex dolls to sex robots, do you think that that really changes the debate? 
It changes the debate in major ways. Uh, I should pause here and say that when we say we're on the cusp of sex robots, some of that, I would argue, is just hype. If you uh, really see these things in action, uh, the things that are billed right now as sex robots, they have Siri-level intelligence at best. It's, it's nowhere near where people actually want that technology to be. So the idea that we're right on the cusp is maybe a little bit much. Right. Yeah, these aren't like Blade Runner-like <laughs> replicants, so we can't distinguish no. them from, from humans. Quite the opposite right now. No, but I mean, it does raise a serious question. Uh, when you move beyond the doll to the robot, those concerns about how it might influence your views of real people mm -hmm. becomes much more salient, becomes much more important. One of the things that's come up in recent months is this question of what if you make a doll that has the ability to deny you consent, a robot that can deny you consent, and then you can actually rape that robot and have no repercussions from that. And if that robot is incredibly lifelike, made to mimic a human in every way, shape, and form, how then might that feed back into your everyday life if you have essentially an object for incessant rape in yeah. your house or at your disposal? So that does become a, a more serious concern, I think, or a more salient concern for how it might affect our interactions with others. Right. There's the other concerning aspect, too, and I think it applies to dolls, would apply to, to robots as well. Uh, dolls are robots that resemble minors or resemble children. That yeah. becomes a, a whole other issue, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There are actually people out there who make uh, these dolls to look like minors based on that idea that we talked about before, that you can mitigate some of your yeah, darker it's an impulses. Yeah. I mean, there are communities out there of people who have pedophilic urges who do not act on them, uh, sometimes called gold star pedophiles. Uh, it is an orientation. It is a, a mental proclivity that some people have. And some of them will argue that these dolls would actually make not acting on those impulses easier. But unless you can actually prove that these dolls don't increase the risk that they will act on those impulses, uh, a lot of people just think that it's too dangerous to put those sort of underage dolls out there. And, and I think we often see this pattern when it comes to new and emerging technology. There seems to be a lot of money driving the development of this. Uh, businesses are, are, as you say, I mean, this, this stuff is out there already. And then the research really lags, doesn't it? Yeah, that is literally just a taboo issue. I mean, there is, if you're a serious researcher, uh, an academic researcher studying this, you have to be able to get some sort of funding to do your research. You have to have some sort of institution that's willing to back you or sponsor you. There's not a lot of funding out there for this. Governments don't necessarily want to fund general explorations of what uh, relationship people have with sex dolls, there's just no real interest in that unless it becomes a major public health concern or a major criminal concern. And so far, it's just not at that point where it has inspired. Uh, there are some interesting studies, but it hasn't inspired the sort of mass of research that we would need to make definitive calls on any of this. Well, it is a fascinating topic. I know you wrote about this recently at Forbes.com. Much more at Mark 
Hay.com. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for your insight on this. Appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, my pleasure. All right, take care. That is a freelance writer uh, based out of Brooklyn, Mark Hay. Uh, MarkEHay.com is his website. Wrote about this recently, as mentioned, at Forbes.com. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.